Hey everyone, welcome back to Gambe. This is Carl, one of your co-hosts. Long time no see. Linda, how are you doing? What's up, everybody? Oh, you know, it's been a lot going on, lots of changes. We got Dorothy with us today, one of our uh, producers. Hey, Dorothy. Hello, hello. How's it going? I am doing well. How are you? We're doing great. Um, Yeah, so Dorothy is here with us today because um, our guest this week is Riz. He is so amazing. He is so funny. And we actually met him through Dorothy. Yeah, so Carl and I actually met Riz at the same time because Carl and I went to school together. So we took this wonderful entrepreneurship course called Biz 238. And Carl and I were actually partnered on the same team for a group project. Not going to talk about his work ethic and all those things. That's not relevant right now. But Riz was our TA during that class, and that's actually how I met Riz. So Riz and I, I think we go way back, probably back to, we're going to say 20-something. You know, I I don't want to give away our age, but we'll say, you know, somewhere in like the, the... recent years and Riz is a great human so we met him through that class and then eventually him and I became really good friends and we actually started teeing that class together and Riz has actually had a very interesting career trajectory so he's worked in higher education at Sanford's University and then eventually decided that he wanted to transition to something more corporate which I think I never expected from him just you know being one of his best friends he's always been somebody who's very creative very entrepreneurial very you know, doesn't really like structure. So when he messaged me out of the blue and was like, hey, I think I want to get an office job, I was surprised. But being in that role, I think he's really thrived. And, you know, he's had the chance to be a developer. He's had the chance to work as an engineer and in pre-sales. And it's it's been, it's really been great to see where he's at now. What a sellout. Just kidding. We love you, Riz. <laughs> so basically what I got from that is I'm co-hosting a show where my co-host, Carl, and the producers sometimes know these people. I don't. So it's just a show talking to all of their friends. That's really why I'm here. Basically. We'll get your <laughs> friends on here too, Linda, eventually. <laughs> no, but seriously, Riz was very cool. Um, much of like that episode, he just had this energy about him that was like, do whatever the fuck makes you happy. Oh, absolutely. He's such an easygoing guy. Yeah. But with that said, uh, let's get right into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy um, as much as we did talking to Riz, listening to this episode. Thanks, everyone. Hi, everybody. This is Linda, your co-host for Ganbe. And today I'm having a fruit punch Capri Sun. I'm having some Smirnoff vodka and also the Pinot Noir from the last show. I couldn't decide what I wanted to drink. So it's a lot of party and business on my table right now. Um, Carl, what are you drinking? (laughs) Hey, everyone. This is Carl, the co-host that you all probably like more. Um, Today I went to Starbucks and I got myself a strawberry funnel cake frap um it tastes disgusting like sewer water with whipped cream on top of it and it i will never get it again and we're probably not going to get a sponsorship from starbucks because i said that (laughs) i was not making a face because of what you had i'm making a face because i'm drinking vodka straight up and it's fucking disgusting but vodka please 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 sponsor (laughs) us because you know i'm talking shit but i love it Hey, and today we have Riz here with us. What are you drinking, Riz? Um, so I'm only drinking water for now. Uh, I am, however, three uh, three coffees in, um, all triple shots of espresso. So um, I'm a little hopped up, uh, but that's okay. That's just part of my life. Hey, that's awesome. You'll be the most coordinated out of this show. 
Uh, I'm mixing liquors. Carl had something disgusting. Well, that's debatable. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Let's get through the show first. Yeah. Uh, Riz, so tell us a little bit about what you do for work. Yeah, so um, quite a few things. Um, my day job is as a pre-sales engineer uh, at a company called Vizier Solutions or Vizier Inc., which is a people analytics company that serves Fortune 500 clients all over the world, helping them manage their workforce uh, and make decisions about their people. Some of our marquee clients include uh, companies like Uber or Facebook and uh, some of the biggest technology companies in the world. And I specifically work in the partnerships division. Uh, and my job is to work with prospect customers who would take our technology and put it inside of their own system so that they can use our analytics on top of their system of record. So think, um, you know, something like a Salesforce where you input data for, you know, your transactions, your sales, your leads, whatnot, and now you want to analyze it. So you you won't be necessarily wanting to look at it in terms of a spreadsheet, but rather actually visualize that data. Sorry, I maybe I'm just dumb. So are you in sales or are you an engineer? <laughs> I was going to say, maybe I'm drunk. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I'm a, uh, so I'm a pre-sales engineer. So what that means is I'm the person who can talk to people, but also is an expert in the technology. Okay, so you're, wow. you're in sales, but you just understand the technology. Exactly. Yeah, I, I went through, I went to business school, not, not a computer science degree, but I was always a nerd. I started programming when I was 14 years old. Um, and after I graduated, wanted to learn more on how to actually build stuff with technology. And I've been started as a, I was a developer at Vizier for a year and a half. And then I just wanted to go talk to customers and talk about technology. So. That's really interesting because I did notice that on your LinkedIn profile, Carl and I did a little stalking before the show, um, and we noticed that you have had several different positions, and every year you've you've got promoted, were elevated into a different role. So is it like your own doing and and trying to um, move through different departments, different roles, or is this something that the company had set for you and the goals for them? Um, how did that work? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, <clears throat> I would say it's uh, it's a little bit of both. Vizier is very um, supportive of internal moves, but also it's it's me getting really bored really quickly. I, uh, I'm a little ADHD, so I get bored really easily. I started as an implementation consultant or a business intelligence consultant, helping customers implement our technology. And then I started hacking with our technology a little bit too much just trying to break it, make it do things that wasn't supposed to do, and it got into a lot of trouble with the the C-suite. But one of the the C-suite, the chief strategy officer there, Dave Weisbeck, uh, saw that as potential, and he was launching a new ventures division. And he said, "Hey, Riz, come come help us uh, go to a new market. We're in people analytics." So he he brought me in to go into sales and finance analytics, build net new solutions for the company. Um, which, you know, really aligned with stuff that I did, uh, at least in university. Um, you know, I, I went to school for entrepreneurship and innovation at SFU, as well as management and information systems. So it kind of just was a good role for that point in time. All right, you hear that, kids? So if you want to get promoted, do things that you're not supposed to do and break your product and you'll get promoted. Um, that's a really cool story. And Linda, I don't know if you know this, but um, Riz... And I went to the same school. 
he's older than me and he was actually my TA in <laughs> one of the classes that I took at Simon Fraser University and that's one of the only classes that I passed so <laughs> thanks Riz. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> that's an interesting um, background. Did you have to always put Carl in check? Seems like you guys know each other pretty well so there was a relationship that was developed during your time. Um, uh, sure, let's say that. Um, <laughs> Um, SFU, we, we created what we call the Interdisciplinary Entrepreneurship Certificate back when I was there uh, with an amazing prof, Dr. Sarah Lubick. And it's the first program uh, that's in business school for non-business students in Canada. And what we wanted to do was bring in people from all across uh, the university, from different disciplines, different backgrounds, and put them together in this notion of entrepreneurship. Because, you know, when you're in business school, you hang out with business students and you work with business students and it's a bit of a bit of an elitist culture and you don't necessarily grow. But when you go into industry and especially when you're trying to start a company, you need divergent mindsets. So it makes a lot of sense to bring people from different backgrounds together and help them kind of germinate, make connections across the university, across different academic disciplines and create this interdisciplinary notion of creating companies. So that's what Carl uh, ended up in. And I was his TA there for a while. I helped design the course. Uh, that's also how I met uh, one of the producers of this show, Dorothy. Um, so yeah. Lots of synergy, lots of synergy. Um, you, you mentioned something about business school being a bit elitist, and I, I have worked in technology in the past, and to be honest, I found it quite elitist. Um, they did their best to bring diversity into the, into the company, um, but a lot of the people that worked there um, went to, uh, you know, really great schools, uh, majority white and I, I felt like I had to navigate through those waters. And we're talking about college, right? Like Carl in college, you're TAing. Um, how did you navigate those waters, whether in college or in your job? Um, yeah, I've been asked this question quite a few times. And I, I don't know if this is a PC answer enough, but I just never give a fuck about it. Um, I never really thought that me being brown was something that mattered. I just owned it. I showed up. I knew what I wanted. Uh, I made mistakes. Um, and I just tried to crush it. I, I have seen how, you know, especially with women in technology, how difficult it can be. I, I have seen, um, you know, senior managers and directors treat people of color, especially uh, African Canadians, in a discriminatory way. I have seen that. I'm sure I've been a victim of it myself. But yeah, it just, I guess it never really registered for me. Um, you know, I just kind of always tried my best to take it as something that, you know, I, if it's something that I cannot control, then I don't want to worry about it, right? Um, there's kind of a Buddhist saying uh, about anger and sadness. And it was this monk saying that when you're angry about someone or at someone, it's not that that energy or that thing that's annoying you is coming out of that person and into you, but rather it's coming out of you, outside of you. So you control or you, you control your own emotions. You have to be aware of them and you react to the world as you want to. Um, and you should only really worry about things that you can control. 
yo, the monks know what they're talking about. <laughs> Res, I'm wondering because, and, and, and I say this with zero intention of, you know, uh, dismissing, you know, like your, your, you being brown and all that sort of stuff, but you also have this very, very distinct personality and you're also like just very out there in a, in a good way. Right. And, and what I've noticed is, you know, a lot of the times when people, certain people have that kind of personality, people look beyond their, their, their race or, or anything like that and focus on the personality. Do you think that may have been something that happened to you? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I've gone through phases of being super extroverted and then becoming super introverted. Um, and I have found that I, I struggled a lot when I was in that introverted phase. And that was more so, I don't know if it was the chicken or the egg, like external stress made me a little bit more introverted. Um, I did feel that I was kind of being walked over or not heard as much when I was in that like relatively quiet or non-confident state. And, it, you know, it's the nature of the business world and it's the nature of kind of um, socializing, right? Um, it takes a lot for you as a manager to be super aware of someone who's super quiet, right? Like as they say, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's true, right? If you don't stand up, if you don't show up, if you don't raise your hand, if you don't speak your mind, how will you be heard? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, there was something interesting there that you said, like, it just takes a lot of energy and time for that manager to notice the one person in the room who isn't being vocal. Um, one thing that I noticed about your background when, when we were just, you know, getting to know you is that you also have like a side hustle, a side business. And I think a lot of that, like I, I also am an entrepreneur myself. And I think for me, that comes from just noticing how other managers and other uh, businesses and organizations run. And I'm like, oh, I can do this. But on my own, with a different set of talent and different set of skills that I bring to the table, how did your um, side hustle come about? And like, what are you doing? Yeah, so there's a bit of a history here. Um, I've had many side hustles, right? So in my family, there's nobody who has a job, right? Like gigantic Pakistani family, everyone's an entrepreneur. I'm basically the first person who has a job in my family, but I live in Canada, so I'm a little privileged. Um, but in that culture, you have to be the owner. You are the CEO. Even in university, first class in entrepreneurship, professor was like, hey, like out of all the billionaires in the world, Basically, only two of them had jobs, which is the CEO of Coke and CEO of GM. And everyone else, they're either generational wealth or they have a company. In fact, if you think about it, when you look at the tax system, let's say you make about 150K, you're paying about 40% in tax, right? But if you make a million dollars in capital gains, about 600,000 or 700,000 of that money is tax-free for your one-time capital gains exemption. So the, the world the economy is all kind of set up to benefit an entrepreneur, right? Even corporate taxation is about 10%, 12 and a half in BC, I believe. So versus 40% if you're an employee. So you're advantaged uh, as an entrepreneur. So I've always had that need to start a company, start a side hustle, and that's kind of cultivated itself into starting consulting companies or trying to do freelance work, um, which I still continue to do. And then recently I was working on um, a company uh, that allows international traders to be able to make better decisions. And that unfortunately folded which, uh, funny enough, uh, we took a couple of weeks off 
And then my co-founder shows up and he says, hey, I've, I've started this other thing, which I think is really cool. Uh, do you want to uh, do that? And um, it's, in, it's a little hard to explain, but all the hype around cryptocurrency is going on right now and everyone's trading and making millions. Um, but frankly, I never have the time to go sit in front of the computer and look at a chart all day. I'm too ADHD for that and I'm too emotional for that. Uh, I've always believed that computers can trade better than humans. So he came up and said, hey, I built this bot that lets you trade cryptocurrencies. So I'm like, cool, I've been trying to do that for five years. I'm glad that you did that. I'm going to go call another friend of mine who I think is pretty cool and really, really smart. We're all going to pull money in and we're going to launch this. So we launched it and I posted about it. Another friend of mine who actually went to SFU with me and we started the Interdisciplinary Entrepreneurship Association at SFU together, um, Mark Vijaya, who's in Singapore. He saw that and he's like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Um, and then just kind of worlds align. We ended up raising more capital together. And now we're, we're live running our first test um, in the market, actually trading live, making money without intervention. And yeah, I know it's a long winded answer, but yeah. No, damn, that is fucking awesome. Congratulations. I think what was really cool about the, the story that you just took us through is that you were very upfront, like, I've had a couple of side hustles. This one folded and then this this opportunity came up. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet and work with uh, and even myself, we can get pretty down on ourselves when things don't work out the way that we intend for them to work out. Like you want to see your business succeed. You want to make sure that your clients are happy and that you're making money. And sometimes it just doesn't happen in the first year, in the first two years. Um, hell, even in the first three years. So like, what is it? Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it is, you know, trial and error. Um, what advice can you give to other entrepreneurs that may be going through the thing that you went through with your business folding or um, being open to a new opportunity? Yeah, you know, I've actually thought about this question a lot. Uh, and it's really hard to answer this question because everyone's path and story, situation, circumstance is different, right? Uh, you could be in a situation where it's, your business is just not going to work. Uh, or you could be in a situation where you just have to go through the suck for the first year. It might work. So any advice that I give around like, oh, yeah, keep at it uh, may not work with someone. Or if I say that, oh, you know, if it's not working, don't, then it might be disingenuous for others. Um, the only kind of good pieces of advice that I can reflect upon is, uh, is say that, hey, you don't have to do it alone. Um, find people who are better at some things than you are and try to bring them in. For example, one of my, I, I'm a product guy, I'm a technology guy, I can talk about technology, but when it comes to, let's say, doing cash flow projections or business strategy, you know, I have to admit that I'm not the best person for that, right? So my co-founder, Jeff, is really amazing at that. So bringing him in was amazing. And that was what accelerated us towards being more successful. So that's one. And the second one being, hey, if you're not feeling great about something, if you're down, you don't have to suffer alone. Call your friends up. Call your mentors. Talk to people. There's more support out there than you think. And lastly, I would say, trust your gut. If your gut says do something, and someone else is telling you to do something else, trust your gut. Because in the previous business that we were doing uh, that folded, 
we were going to a direction that we decided to go towards as a team that I, I knew deep down was not the right direction to go. And we spent eight months, nine months of development effort, our time, our stress. And a week before launch, the thing that I was afraid of happened and it killed our company. And my gut said that we shouldn't do that. We could have invested those nine months in building something different that I actually wanted to build. And I, I, I know that we would have been more successful. So the biggest lesson from that is just kind of trust your gut. If you know something's wrong, don't do it. I actually appreciate that so much because when Linda asked that question, I'm going to be honest, I was getting ready to roll my eyes because, you know, like usually when folks ask that question, like the answer is usually like, you know, like if, if it's not working, like try harder, right? Like keep going. You're just not working hard enough. And I'm like, what kind of bootstrap toxic mentality is that, right? Like I hate that so much. You're just sending people down potentially a wrong path and you're being really, really irresponsible when you give advice like that, right? And whereas like your advice, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's, and, and you know, you preface it, right? Like by saying that everyone's really different. And, and I think that's the main thing, right? Like what works for one person doesn't work for everyone and privilege and circumstances that all plays a factor into it. So I, I just want to say, I really appreciated that. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I love how he's like, I don't really know what advice I can give. And then he's like, here's three awesome fucking things that you should all be thinking about as an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah, I love that answer. I love that you prefaced it with just your experience and knowing that there's different types of entrepreneurs in different situations that are going on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this message. So just to shift our gears a little bit, Riz, I know that you're not, you weren't born in Canada. Right. And, and, you know, there's a little story about where you're from and like where your your future plans and whatnot. So why don't you share with us about that? Certainly. I was born on a rainy day in Karachi, Pakistan <laughs> on the 29th of July. Fast forward a little bit. Fast forward a little bit for us. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was born in uh, Karachi, Pakistan, um, and I grew up there. I lived there till I was 19. Um uh, went to school there, my whole family's there, and I moved to Canada for university uh, in 2011 to go to school for business at SFU to study accounting. And uh, after doing that for a year, I realized that accounting sounds really fucking boring, and I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, I just could not fathom waking up every morning, 6 a.m. <laughs> during busy season, taking the bus down to Metrotown, going to KPMG, working <laughs> my ass off to like 8 p.m., taking an hour bus, going back home, and then doing that five to six days. Yeah. I just could not. Sounds like hell. Exactly. I'm not in accounting, but you made the right decision, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I, power to the people who, who do that. I love actually the discipline of accounting. Mm -hmm. Fun fact or not so fun fact, uh, I actually failed throughout all of high school and like schooling. I was not a good student. And in 11th grade, I saw accounting and I was failing that. And then I had a professor who actually taught it to me about like what were the principles and the rules and why we do things the way we do it. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And I learned kind of the, the principles of accounting and straight up just absolutely crushed it, wanted to do this. It was like, oh, I meant to do this in my life. This is so easy. It makes sense to me and I'm going to go study it. So yeah, like all that to say that accounting is not a bad thing. It's pretty great. It's just 
I'm not the person who's going to sit there for eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours looking at a spreadsheet and numbers and working through something. That's just not the kind of person I am. And if I was that person, I'd probably still be in accounting. Yeah, I, I think um, most accountants I know are Virgos, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, my gosh. Here goes Carl with the Virgo thing again. <laughs> I'm a Leo. <laughs> Libra. And you have a Leo, you have a Leo personality and, and I, I absolutely, like, I don't know, like Virgos are just. What the fuck is a Leo personality? <laughs> Wait, I don't want to alienate one twelfth of our audience. So I won't say anything else about Virgos. <laughs> um, oh but con- continue with your story, Rez. <laughs> Yeah, so I came here to study accounting, and then I was like, F that, I'm going to study computer science. And then I had taken too many courses in business school, so I couldn't do that. The next best thing is information systems. So I started doing that, and uh, I was going to do finance with that. Did my first finance course. It was really hard. Um, And then um, I I decided to go study, uh, do a certificate with uh, the information systems program called the Business Technology Management Certification with finance. And the first course I took was this course called Foundations of Innovation with Dr. Sarah Lubick. And I took that course and it blew my mind. It was the first entrepreneurship course at, at the university. Sarah's an amazing human being. She's a PhD in the commercialization of nanotechnology from Cambridge. And she had come to SFU to teach this course on innovation. And it was the first time in my life where I felt that my crazy, eclectic nature of like bouncing around with different ideas and being creative was of value in business school. I didn't have to just sit down and crunch numbers and go through that. No, I could come up with ideas. I could talk about them. I could strategize, right? And that was fun. And then what that led into is me studying entrepreneurship and innovation with MIS, with um, the business technology management program. It led me to becoming a TA. It led me to help create the entrepreneurship program at SFU. Um, It led me to become a researcher here. So yeah, crazy, crazy bunch of stuff here in Canada. And kind of to relate it back to my identity of where I'm from, right? As I said, I noticed this about the culture here. I observed that people here like to do things a certain way. You know, even look at the road system here. It's very precise and it's done a certain way. But if you go to Asia, specifically if you go to Pakistan, everything's chaos, right? Nothing is a straight line. It's not really rules-based. It's very holistic. And uh, it's more of a business kind of culture where entrepreneurship is much more encouraged than, let's say, skills and trades around specific career paths, like becoming an accountant. So I could really be in school in entrepreneurship and that spoke to my culture and my identity of growing up in Asia, of having that kind of open space and being holistic. I think that's so interesting because Linda and I actually talked about this before we started recording that in our perception or, you know, like I'm from Taiwan, right? Like, so I'm, I'm East Asian. And then when I moved here, I was like, damn, these white people are wild, right? Like they're not following any rules. <laughs> and and yeah. I was like, oh, all Asians are like that. And obviously Asia is a very large continent. And, and, and you know, I don't have, you know, I've never been to anywhere else like in Asia. So it's so interesting, you know, or, or different for me to hear that, you know, you think that um, Western culture or like Canada at least, um is very are they are rule followers because I was like 
well, these people, like, they, they, they talk back to, they wear shoes inside their houses. Like, what? Where are we? Right? Like, I, I don't know. So that's, that's an interesting point. And I think the difference here is between cultural norms, social norms, versus kind of business and economic norms, mm-hmm. right? Um, the way people like to work here is very particular. It's very specific to work, not necessarily how they relate to each other. Oh, that okay. Yeah. It makes sense. So you had to deal with that cultural difference coming to a new country at 19 years old, which is pretty young. Like I look at myself now and I'm like, damn, I knew nothing at 19. Um, but you, you just came and you grabbed life by the balls and you're like, fuck it. I'm going to try new things. I'm going to do what I came here to do. I just wonder like the dreams that you had set out for yourself and I'm calling them dreams. Maybe they were just things that you set out to do on your task list. Did they change at all? Did your failures and your challenges, like did they take you in a different direction or are you where you imagined you would be when you came here? You know, the reason why I wanted to come to Canada is because I'm the youngest in my family. Um, You know, I'm the baby of the family and I wanted to break out of my shell, right? Um, That's one. And then one of my uncles who's very successful in our family, he went to Canada in the 80s, became a citizen and I wanted to emulate that. Right. So that's the reason why I did it. I initially was just planning I'll be here for two and a half years. I'll accelerate it, finish my degree and I'll go back to Pakistan. Um, And then, you know, um, you know, during the second year, start of my um, third, I guess, fourth semester, my dad passed away while I was in Canada. And that changed a lot of things for me uh, being here. You know, I had to go back and I had a lot of pressure to drop out of school or finish university and move back home. And I I just felt that that would have not been aligned with why I came, which is to achieve this goal of, you know, I wanted to become a Canadian citizen. I wanted to be able to support myself. I wanted to be able to achieve these things in my life. Um So, you know, a lot of those times happened um, where I was kind of under a lot of pressure to move to Pakistan or even after graduating when I was deciding to move back to Pakistan and things didn't really necessarily work out. And taking a step back on just the question, did life work out the way you wanted it to or it didn't? Um, And honestly, man, like the one thing that I've learned is man plans, God laughs. And if you're so stringent about here's where I want to go in life, this is what I want to achieve, I want this job, this much money, blah, 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 you're literally limiting yourself on what you think you can achieve in life. And I also think, right, like manifesting and uh, affirmations are great, and you should do those, but keep those goals big. You know, when you have expectations with life, like this is what I want, you're setting yourself up to fail really, really badly. You know, if you I want that 100K job and you're like, oh, you're working 18 hours a day for that 100K job, it's not good enough, right? So yeah, I, I, I guess all that is to say that be very careful about picking your goals and your systems, right? You can really easily back yourself into a corner. Rissa, I know you uh, mentioned to me before we started recording that you're moving back to Pakistan in about two months, right? So so what's the reason behind that? Do you feel like you've achieved what you originally came to Canada for? Or is there something you know more pressing for you to attend to back at home? Yeah, we're, we're really going to miss you. 
Yeah, I'm going to miss Canada and you guys as well. Um, so I've been in Canada for about 10 and a half years now. And uh, I actually have no family in this part of the world. My whole family is in Pakistan. So being here for that long, I think it's definitely taken a, a social and emotional toll on me. And especially with COVID, like the situation around lockdown and everything is just, I, I'm, I'm done with this shit. So that's that's one big reason why I want to go be back with my own people for a bit, um, you know, and be in my own culture. And then secondly, uh, and this is definitely like the biggest reason is uh, I just want to go spend more time with my mom. Um, you know, she's she's her age is getting up there and I have been away for 10 and a half years now. And I want to make sure that I'm around her in, in those last years of her life and able to share and make memories um, that are going to last like a lifetime with me. You're a much better person than I am. That's, that's all Carl, can say. we agree that we've had guests who are much better people than we are on this show? Than we will ever be? Yeah, absolutely. To saints and presidents and good people. All over the place. Oh. Um, okay, I'm just going to go back like quite a bit to something that you said earlier, is that when you took the course, you felt like your, your true self was like, you know, being accepted and being recognized. And I also want to say I really, really identify with that. I have a, let's call it, eccentric personality. <laughs> and I, I, Linda's laughing. I can think now. of other words to call it, but go ahead. We'll go with eccentric. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and I, and, you know, like I, I myself have found that same, like, I don't know, the, the same thought occurred to me in, in the sense that you know, I'm not good at anything. I can't focus on anything. Um, the the rise team and the and the podcast. Uh, you know, everyone knows that. I I think if I if I weren't in charge, I would be fired right away. <laughs> and <laughs> Linda's laughing because she, she knows it's true. <laughs> no. Uh, maybe, maybe. And, and I, I just want to say I really <laughs> identified and resonated with that. Like, we're we're built differently, I think, right? Like, mm -hmm. so often have I been described as a train wreck. I'm not going to disagree mm -hmm. with that. <laughs> yeah, so I'll pick up on that, uh, Seaman. I, I, I know what you're getting at. Um, so a few things that I want to talk about this is because this is really central to my life, right? As I said, I didn't do well in school. I actually repeated seventh grade. You know, um, I've been very hard on myself for not working the way other people work. I put so much stress on myself for not being able to sit down and focus and finish a task, right? It's been incredibly frustrating for me in my career. And I have, because of putting that stress on me, I have not lived to my full potential. And with that stress has come this notion of, I'm a train wreck, I'm not good enough, um, I suck, I would be fired, I'm gonna get found out, all that bullshit. And recently, you know, I moved from a developer role to a pre-sales role, and man, that was fucking great. Because now, all the things that I was quote unquote bad at are now strengths. Yeah, I can talk to people. I can relate to people. I show up as excited. People like drinking with me because it's fun, right? I can look at something and really communicate that, wow, this is why this is amazing. And people hear that and they're like, yeah, Riz, you know what you're talking about. 
So it was really about thinking of those disadvantages and looking at it in terms of where does this become an advantage, right? And of course, going through all that stress and trying to manage um, my own self really helped me develop a lot of the skills that I needed to have in order to be successful in the business world and whatnot. But those were, let's say, some foundational things and weaknesses that I had to cover. But when I started focusing on the fact that, yeah, you know, I'm gonna work two hours today, and that's how it is. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to go for a walk. My energy is not flowing. When I was starting to be okay with that, I started becoming more successful and I'm less stressed and I am way more happy. So you realize that those are not weaknesses. Those are your strengths. That's how you are. That's who you are. Accept yourself. Accept yourself for who you are, how you are built, how you behave, what your background is, what your privilege is, whatever it may be. You got to own it. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. And I do like drinking with you, even though you're drinking water and I'm having, I just finished the vodka. <laughs> I'm trying to finish the Pinot before the end of the show. Um, but I know you said- Next episode is going to be a surprise intervention for Linda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we prefaced the show with drinks. You know, you got to bring your <laughs> drinks out. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I heard you when you said- God laughs when man plans. I'm a woman, so I'm still going to plan. But what is the next step for Riz? Like, you know, you're talking about your life going in different directions. Things that happen in life change the trajectory of like what you think you're going to do and what you end up doing. Um, but you must have plans about your future and what you ultimately want to do and become within the next, I don't know, five years, 10 years. Any any thoughts on like what's going to happen and what you want for yourself? No. <laughs> not really I love that I love that I knew you were going to say that too I love yeah, that I mean I, I I don't want to stress myself out thinking about the future right like I'm I I'm setting myself up so that I have some clients I know I have skills I'm going to go chill with my family and be in that maybe toxic environment deal with it as as I can maybe go travel I want to go to Italy next year um, you know I might hit up Singapore for a bit you know um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. I, I'm just going to live in the moment and we'll figure it out. I don't want to over plan. Love that for you. Yeah. If you, if you don't plan, you can't be disappointed with your plans failing. Right. Well, I mean, you do have to plan some things. Right? <laughs> like it's it's, it's not that there, there are some things that you can plan and some people are good at planning. Right. Um, and some things that you will automatically be good at planning. But if you're sitting there trying to plan something that's completely out of your control, right? And if you're trying to plan like very, very specific things that may or may not happen, then either you're very, very good at that and you're super strategic and like maybe almost crazy or your, your efforts are futile. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to catching up with you in like a year or two. And just seeing where your life ends up and like what new adventure you're on. Um, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed talking to you on this show. The alcohol definitely helped. It enhanced just the, the twists and turns that we took on this show. 
I just want to thank you for being on the show with us today. As we close it out, we want to know, is there a drink that you would name after yourself, just based on the experiences that you've had, the life that you've lived so far? What would the name of that drink be? And what ingredients would go into that drink that make it you? And I'm like expecting really fucking crazy out of this world ingredients just because your personality like is is insane, is insane. And I feel like the podcast is going to do it justice just based on everything that you've told us and the stories that you've told us. Um, but being able to see you and seeing your reactions to things, I think that, you know, you're, you're a really cool person. So what is the drink going to be? Something really cool. And what are the ingredients going to be? Also something super cool. <clears throat> Damn, I'm super flattered. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, okay. So I don't know if this fully represents me, but I'll, let's try so um, in Pakistan, you get this thing called a gola ganda. And what that is, is a shaved ice uh, thing with syrups and chocolate. And it has uh, the, the milk that you had in Vietnamese coffee, condensed milk on top of it as well. And it's super syrupy. Um, so that's what I would be because it's got many different colors of syrups. It's got chocolate, which I love. Um, and it has condensed milk, which is fucking amazing. And... I would put a shot of gin in it. Yes. No, wait, I hate gin. Okay, we can do vodka. alcohol, so We can yes, do vodka. Thank you. Yes. But uh, I would put a clear <laughs> spirit in it to make it a little boozy. Mm-hmm. Oof. I Love like it. that. Sprinkle some uh, gummies on it as well, maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. Wait, what's it called? What, what would you name it? You could just call it the Riz. The Riz. The riz. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I would totally have that drink. I'm going to go to the bar and ask them for the rinse and see what they give me. But I want your drink. I want your drink. Thank you so much again for being here today. It was so much fun talking to you, so much fun recording this episode. Um, Very, very last question. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there um, a cool project that you're working on that we can check out? Where can we find out more about you? Um, Social handles, all that. Yeah. um, Something that I really deeply care about is people who don't fit the mold and need maybe some support or just to kind of accept themselves as how they are. So if there's anyone out there who needs someone to just talk to about that kind of stuff, I'm more than available. Um, People can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Rizwan Kesser, you can find me, or even on Instagram, R-Q-A-I-S-E-R-R, R-Kesser, or R-Kesser-R. Yeah, just reach out if you want to talk. I don't have anything to sell you. Um, I just want to be part of your journey, and if I can help anyone in any way be successful and accept who they are, uh, that's good enough for me. Carl and I will be your first. Are you? What the? (laughs) Carl and I will be the first people to sign up. Fix our lives, please. (laughs) Love it. Thank you, Riz. Thanks so much for being here, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Ciao. Hey, this is Ibiao Wang, your technical producer here at Gambay. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you like today's episode. Gambay is created by Rise Network, a diverse community of Asian professionals that support, empower, and educate one another. Our podcast is executively produced by Christian Abandano and Dorothy Ang, with technical production by yours truly. 
Podcast artwork by Kathleen Sun and original music by Michael Azuma. Ganbei is a production of Yipsy Laboratories. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to follow or subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now. Connect with us on Instagram at rise.network and be sure to check out our website at www.rise.network. Cheers!